When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Women belong in sports and women belong in sports fandoms. And so if you are a woman in sports, please be loud with us and we'll support you. What's your, what's your shirt, Abby? Oh, my shirt that yeah. says women belong in sports. <laughs> <laughs> did I get this shirt specifically for this podcast? Yes, I did. This was such a fun episode. And thank you so much, um, all of you, for embracing this like nerdy analytic thing that's that's starting to happen and, and starting to to happen in college football. Um, as a nerd, as a stats nerd, I I love it and I love that it's being promoted now. So great job. Welcome to the forum, the show where we learn more about Husker Nation one fan at a time by asking the same four questions. I'm your host, Honky, and our guest tonight is the face of Husker Twitter. At least that's what it says on her Twitter description. Uh, she was once called the best and worst account on Twitter, and she was part of our Husker Girls episode last year, as you saw in that opening. Welcome to the forum, our good friend, Abby. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you gotta tell you gotta tell us what is the the face of Husker Twitter about there? Um, you know, I think at one point somebody replied to one of my tweets and said something about like I can't believe that you're the face of Husker Twitter with your bad takes or something like that. And I just thought like I'm gonna lean into that really hard and just embrace those stupid names that I've been called. So I mean, even like the worst account on Twitter, I think we all kind of remember remember that um and i'm just like yeah why not i'll be sure why not be the worst account it's it's hilarious and i just um so i just i'm gonna embrace it because it, it's more fun than letting them you know upset you over anything so yeah <laughs> no i think that's a that's a, a great point there's to have fun with this and and something that we can do with twitter is we can have some fun and and uh and that's what i want to have tonight too is let's have a good time and that's that's what the uh the forum is all about um, before we get into the questions here, I just want to go over a couple of the upcoming shows we have. Um, on Monday night, uh, March 13th at 8.30, we're going to do the part two defense and special teams breakdown. So this Monday, two days ago, we did uh, the offensive breakdown, and all those videos are out there on, on YouTube now, and they're broken up by position group. Uh, we have some fan forums on the way up here. Uh, Connor Hayden with Corn Craze. He'll be on Wednesday, March 22nd at 8 p.m. Uh, he's the number one football talk show on YouTube. Uh, the week after that, Redcast Sarah, one of our Husker girls as well, uh, March 29th at 8 p.m. Uh, she's the official mom of Husker Twitter, so I'm sure we'll we'll get to the bottom of that with her. Uh, we have Adam Carricker, Monday, April 3rd at 2 p.m. Uh, that's just announced here, so uh, a lot of fun there that we're going to have. Um, and last but not least, Brandon Cavanaugh, we just added that today. That's going to be Wednesday, April 5th at 9 p.m., uh, Husker football analyst with Athlon Sports. So, what is the uh, 
what is the, the fan form? We go over these four questions, same four ones with everyone. Why are you a Husker fan? What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Who are your favorite Hus- all-time Huskers? And how do you think the Huskers will do next year? And uh, I guess with that, let's just start with question number one. And why are you a Husker fan, Abby? I mean, what else would I be a fan of? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there a better team? I don't understand. Uh, no, I was, um, I mean, born in Omaha, raised in Omaha. I went to school in Kearney. So I think by the time I left the state, I was 22. And it was just who I was, just who it was my identity at that point. Um, mm-hmm. We, I grew up watching football games. We had, you know, watch parties for football games. Um, we'd go over to our family's houses every single Saturday and watch them. And it just, I don't know, it just was what we did. And it was, it just seemed really normal. And then when I moved to Iowa and then later St. Louis, it, I think, solidified that, oh, right, this is, <laughs> this is who I am. And that's a little weird for people, but um yeah, it's just, it, it's always been a part of my life and um always will be, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't ever foresee a reason why, why it wouldn't be. Well, your pin tweet, I think is perfect for this. And it's, uh, I don't know, man, I'm psyched for every kid who wants to wear the in into battle, literally all of them. And that is something you are a, you're a fierce supporter of this program and you're not afraid to call someone out if someone says something wrong and I, I i credit you for that to be honest with you but you support all husker you know players all teams it's and it's it's for me it's inspiring at times because I, I become so football focused at times but there's so many great things going on at the university of nebraska athletically that are, are beyond just uh, what goes on in the football field I think, you know, uh, for, for better or worse, I feel like I am, um, optimistic. I'm just overly optimistic. I'm overly positive, whatever towards our players. Um, because that's to me, I, it's complicated. Cause you think like fans are allowed. Yeah. Fans are absolutely allowed to be critical of performance. I think that that's fair and they are. But we live especially now and especially on like Twitter and and Facebook and social media in a world where like being hyper negative towards individuals and individual players is so easy. And it's really so I don't I don't like that. And so I probably have like veered (laughs) a little overcorrected in that regard. And I'm just really positive about it because I feel like they're that's also what fans do. And fans love their players and fans love the, the people who choose to be fans like I kind of chose to be fan right I could have I guess chosen not to watch Nebraska football and volleyball all my life but kind of didn't really have a choice and that's fine but these are people who like choose to do this they make that um that sacrifice of other schools other opportunities they leave home sometimes they put up with um people who aren't very nice to them for <laughs> Nebraska and so there's something about that that's so much that I just love and respect. And so I'm, yeah, if you, if you want to come here and you want to put your body on the line in every single sport to wear that end, whether you you know play or not do it and I'm going to support you. I'm going to support you wholeheartedly. And then, you know, if, if you choose to leave, that's, you know, more power to you, but I'm going to support the next guy who wants to, or the next person who wants to come in and play and, mm-hmm. and that's every sport I've, I've tried really hard. I'm like you, I, Growing up, it was all football. It was entirely well. It wasn't, and then volleyball because I played. But you know, we didn't watch a lot of baseball. We didn't, um, you know, we didn't really do wrestling, any of those things. And now that I'm older and 
COVID hit and we had no. all that time at home to get into things, it's like, yeah, I, I love watching basketball and I, I, the softball teams are great and gymnastics. I don't understand, but I'm going to watch it if it's on. because <laughs> That's great. Um, so yeah, so why not? They're all, they're all making that choice and, and they're all great student athletes. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and we've noticed that the last couple weekends now we're recording this, it's a uh, March 7th, I think <laughs> I'm losing dates, but uh, March 7th and we're getting done with a couple of weekends in a row where baseball's done well, basketball's done well, softball's done well, bowling just one side, you know, and, and you start going through this whole list wrestling. You mentioned wrestling there. And, and I, admittedly, I, I know so little about wrestling. I tried watching it on Sunday and I can't mm-hmm. figure out when, when a score happens. I'm just, I just didn't grow up doing it. But when somebody has Nebraska or Huskers across their, their, their chest on their Jersey, whatever it is, when I see that and when they're doing well, I mean, I, I swell up inside and I enjoy it. I mean, that's, I, I really want to see all of our athletes doing well. And so it, it's fun. Uh, this is a fun time of year right now that we're doing well. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, quite honestly, Husker fans, <laughs> we've been through a little bit for a while here. We so deserve it's, it's, this. <laughs> we deserve this. We deserve this. Gosh, darn it. We deserve it. Well, let's move on to question number two here. What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Well, I think I told you that I was going to cheat um, on this answer because mm-hmm. I can't pick one. And so I have I have four. Go for it. That's fine. Okay. Okay. Really sorry. This is what I do. I don't follow rules. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to put I, – I tried to put them in, <laughs> in order. Uh, so the first was the – first fan day that I went that we went to um, as kids my mom took my brother and me and a couple of our friends um, to fan day in 98 I think because that was Solich's first year um, Mm -hmm. as as coach and we went and if if you don't know um, what I think they still call it fan day Um, so if you don't know what that is that's um, they have it at they did at least the time in Memorial Stadium and the players lined up at tables and you got a little book and you or a book, I don't know. And you kind of walk down the tables and the players would like sign your book or they would sign a little helmet or your t-shirts or something. And you just got to meet all the players, starters, uh, fourth stringers, walk-ons, everybody. Um, and then you could meet the coaches and you could have your pictures taken with them. And it was just a way for all the, the fans and especially younger fans. I think mostly it's geared towards kids um, to get that really cool experience of like, these are your heroes, right? These are, these are the mm-hmm. guys that you love watching. And so getting to do that um, was really cool. That's the only year we only did it once. Um, and I just think it, you know, it's really hard to get a bunch of kids into Lincoln, um, mm-hmm. but it was such a great memory. And I've, I've begged my mom, my mom's trying to find pictures of it. Cause I know she has some. So if I find them a little like eight year old Abby. I will post them. Um, and my brother got a picture with Frank Solich and he just looks so mad. Frank does. He just looks so <laughs> unhappy to be there. And it's probably cause he was there all day. But also that's just like hot. Yeah, it was, I think it was, yeah. I mean, cause nobody wants to be there at that point, but, um, mm. but yeah, like, so I've got that. So I've got like Tracy Wistrom's autograph, which we'll get to that question of why that's so important to me. Um, mm. but it was, um, but it was so cool at that time. I was just like, Oh, this is, I have these players. They're, they're amazing. They're my favorites. We're going to, they're going to go pro and they're going to, but you know, at eight, that was the coolest thing that could have happened. So, so that's one. Um, and then my second is um, I went to the Nebraska volleyball camp when I was mm. in eighth grade because I was I played volleyball growing up. And when you play volleyball growing up in the state of Nebraska, you love the volleyball team and they were good. We went and I went in 2002. So it was mm. right after they had won the national championship. So it was like 
huge. Again, oh, yeah. these are people that I looked up to and I was like, I want to be these women. I'm, I'm never going to be this tall, but maybe I can be as like strong and powerful and amazing as them. And, and so it was kind of similar to senior days. You got to meet them, you got autographs, all of that, but then you got to be coached by them mm-hmm. for like a week. You just did drills with the Nebraska team with, with like, I don't know, Melissa Elmer, like taught us how to hit. And it was like, the most amazing, again, like the most amazing thing that a young volleyball player could get to experience. And so, um, not, a, I wasn't a great volleyball player. I'm short. I wasn't, I wasn't going to be amazing, but just any opportunity to, to meet them and learn from them was like, I mean, it was still, it's like one of the best things that, that ever happened to me. Um, which I think I just said about fan day. So they're all the best things that have ever happened. <laughs> I don't care. Um, okay. So that's two. <laughs> So sorry. Three was um, we went to the Alamo Bowl in 2005. Oh, the Michigan game. Michigan game. Mm. And that was (laughs) that was my first in-person Nebraska game. Oh, that's a good one to go to. Yeah. Right. And so we went down to to San Antonio and we did all the the pre-game stuff. And I remember they had like the competing bands and Mm. the the people who were like in charge of all the pre-game stuff were like, we love Michigan's fight song. Isn't it amazing? Oh, also there's Nebraska. And so it was like this like very clear rivalry. And we're just like, oh, oh, we're going to, oh, Michigan, you stole our trophy, our 97 trophies better. It was great. It was this whole thing. And so then get to get to watch a bowl game, mm-hmm. a winning bowl game against Michigan was like so cool for your very first game. Where were you at for the, like, where were your seats? Like that final play? Cause that's the the memorable, they, they start throwing the ball all yeah. over the place and almost score on us. It was coming at us. I think, I, th- I think, I mean, what was, how many people are on the field by the end of the game? Half our team had it was, run it on. It's the Stanford and... band thing again, right? Like yeah. everybody was. And I remember that we thought like, we're going to get in trouble. Like they're going to throw a flag because we're all on the field. And so we watched it happen. And my dad, I'm pretty sure my dad was whether jokingly or not, was just like, Oh, they might, you know, do some crazy thing on, on this yeah. last play. And of course they did. And of course it almost worked. <laughs> And then we, and then our whole team was like on the, it was, it was absolute madness. Um, mm. But yeah, so we, I think it was coming at us. Cause I'm pretty sure we were like end zone kind of seats, but I do also, I have pictures of that too, that I'll, I'll post. I didn't want to spoil anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you just think, yeah, that's my dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dan. my dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were in that end zone coming out. It. it was really, really cool. Um and then the last one also relates to my dad and is um, a little more, um, I don't want to say like more serious, but so when I was in high school, I got hospitalized for a week. Um, so I spent a week in ICU and the day I got out, my dad took me to Lincoln to go see a baseball game. So we got to watch Nebraska beat Iowa um, <laughs> before we were in the Big Ten. Again, this was like 2005, 2004, something like that. Um, and so we got to go to a baseball game and I, I was talking to him before it and I was like, do you remember who we played? I don't remember the the details, but I know we went and I remember it was like kind of a joke, but kind of serious of like balls can't come at me because if a ball hits me, I could die. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, it was such a like special memory because 
my dad and I didn't do a lot of things together because I had a brother and, you know, my mom and brother would go to things. We'd do things as a family. And so we didn't get a lot of opportunities to do things, just me and my dad. And so this was, thanks Rob. Um, so yeah, so that was just like a really, really special opportunity to watch Nebraska beat Iowa in something before we even knew that it was going to be anything. I think when I, when I, yeah, that's, isn't that perfect? It's, it's <laughs> fortuitous. Um, but I remember, like I said, I asked my dad and my, and my dad's like, oh, I don't know, it was somebody unimportant, Iowa, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that um, started your, your love of Iowa here as, as we've seen the tweet here with right. the, the hawk that's with right. the, uh, the tear coming out, out of its eye. Oh yeah. He's so mad about that. Um, yeah. So those are my, is that too many favorite memories? I could come up with more. Hey, if um, they're all about the Huskers, the, 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 that's well worth it. I, Everything from, in my life is about the Huskers honky. There's no, well, there you go. I'm that. from Columbus originally. So very similar in the fact that if you didn't grow up in Lincoln or Omaha, one of the big cities, it was always a big deal when you came here. And I, I love the, the idea of what you're talking about with like coming up here to, to go to a fan day or, or doing the volleyball camp. It makes me appreciate even more when you start to see the volleyball program and what John Cook has done to take it out to places like Central City this year, McCook in the past, Ogallala, and how those towns just you know swarm around it. And I know John Cook even kind of made some statements recently about you know this is something I don't know what the rules are when it comes to football and you know other sports what they can do in the in the off season. But boy, if there's any way that we can have opportunities to have the teams go out and do things out in the communities, if you could ever have a scrimmage. You know, if baseball could ever go to Hastings and play at Duncan Field, if, if you know, if, if football could have a, a spring, you know, practice out in North Platte or something one day. I mean, I don't know what's possible, but I just know that th- those really are, are, are huge hits. And the and the state, we always say the state supports this program, unlike any other program in the country. And I love it when the when the program goes back out to the state and kind of returns the favor. Yeah. And I think. We, I, I know there's, I've seen people talk who have kids. I, I know I've talked mm. to, to Adam about it and he's just like, yeah, I might, you know, my kids don't remember Nebraska being good. And it's probably really hard to get young kids really into it because they don't remember any of the, I, you know, was a child of the nineties. I grew up in the mm. best possible football era that you could, you know, we won three national championships. I watched them all. It was fantastic. Um, so I, so it was easy for me and it's easy and it's not easy now, but you kind of can get through this bad time because you have those great memories, but there, yeah. And I, and there are kids who don't have those memories. And so you would mm-hmm. think, I would think agreeing with you that if there was a way to really take that out, to create those, those memories for kids when they're so young of like, you just get to meet these guys. That's, that's huge. That makes such a big difference. And it it does form really, really important memories and bonds for them in the future I think Mm -hmm. and that was a big thing always too with football with whether it was the walk-on program or just making sure that we're offering in-state kids and and you're seeing that right now is that when you would have players from so many different parts of the every county was basically represented back in the day Uh, it may not be like that in the future we're not going to have probably any more 150 and 200 person (laughs) football teams anymore but but still going out to Ainsworth, Nebraska, and to to talk to Carter Nelson and and getting into I think that's Brown County if I remember right. And I, I used to know all the counties and all the towns, uh, all the county seats. That was something I used to do growing up. If my dad's my... still on, he could tell you what they are because he yeah. those two. Yeah, yeah. If I could, re- <laughs> I used to do the license plate thing too. So mm-hmm. you know that that was that was always fun. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, question three: 
who are some of your all-time favorite Huskers? Okay. So the first time we asked this question back on the the Husk Girls episode, it was without, and still is correct. It's Grant Wistrom is my favorite football player of all time, ever, mm. forever and ever. Amen. Um, whatever. Um, I <laughs> again, that's why, like, from meeting like Tracy Wistrom, I was like, this is the closest to Grant Wistrom I'll ever get. <laughs> I'm just like one generation, like one degree of separation from him, and it was. I was, I mean, I was eight. What did an eight-year-old know other than like, oh, he tackles people really well. Oh, I love that. And so mm-hmm. um, still is to this day. I um, There's a there's a guy on my alumni board down here who played in 97 with him. And uh, and we keep joking. I'm like, when are you going to call him? He doesn't live that far. Call him. Have him come up to St. Louis. I'll be good. I won't even show up and I'll just like hide in a plant or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not stalkerish at all. Um <laughs> So Grant Wistrom, 100%. Um, and then I was trying to think of volleyball, who who they were, because, again, that was really – that was big to me. And, I mean, you, you have Jordan Larson. That's a given. She's phenomenal, just a phenomenal player and, and left such an impact. But then, you know, people like Melissa Elmer and uh, mm-hmm. Laura Pilikowski and uh, uh, Jenna Dowling was another one who just, like – who I think probably because I met them at the camps and stuff had such an impact that – when I watch old games, it's like, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Melissa Elmer did that. Oh, Laura Pilikowski. Like it was, it is, it's like going back. And so those are probably my favorite um, volleyball players growing up who have stuck with me. You know, that that's the thing too with, with uh, Husker athletics is that when Nebraska's at its best, uh, you know, my feelings on in-state and we, we need in-state kids. We need a, a big in-state presence there, but we also, of course, we're going to go out and get some of the best players from around the, the globe, quite honestly. And with volleyball there, you know, I, one of my favorites was Sarah Pavin and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, she was from Canada. And then you mentioned Laura Pilkowski and from my hometown to Columbus right there. That's and, and you make connections as fans a lot of times to somebody from maybe from where they're at when I was really, I mean, I've always been in the football, but in the mid nineties, when we're winning all those games, there are being from Columbus, you know, Corey Schlesinger was a Columbus high graduate and there he is running it in, you know, for the two, the two final touchdowns. And I'm like, that, yeah. that guy, his dad uh, ran the, the sanitation service. He was the garbage man for our area. And That's Corey awesome. used to like every once in a while come by and like he'd work for his dad, maybe on a summer day sometimes. And like, he'd take our trash and here's this Hulk just throwing our trash cans around, you know, and that's Corey Slesher. There he is scoring touchdowns. And Jesse Cush was on, you know, I played with him at Skoda's and uh, there he was, you know, three year starting punter for us. And we just had a, a number of guys like that, Tim Carpenter, Jeff Lake. And, and uh, it was really, it was really, cool when you knew that you had people from your area and and again that's we're seeing that right now too i mean we're seeing uh it's something that that excites me about what coach rule what this staff has already done going out to 125 i think schools uh but uh, that's such an important factor and and it and that's something whether you're winning or losing i think that also can start to to kind of weed itself down to those the kids that you're talking about maybe they haven't seen us win yet but if they've seen the coaches come by those kids that were at ainsworth high school when when coach rule shows up to, on a recruiting visit and they're, they're just in awe and they're wearing their red and, you know, we haven't won a game, but boy, they, they sure seem to like it. So that's a, yeah. that's, we need more of that. And again, I think going back to like having those connections is if, so I, my only, um, the closest connection I have to a player, I went, I went to high school with Niles Paul. Um, mm-hmm. he was, I think a year below me. Um, and so like him getting to play, I, I was already a fan. It was already really cool. But you know that there were people who then were like tuning in 
because they knew Niles, whether they knew him Mm -hmm. from high school, they knew him just from the neighborhood, they knew him growing up, all of that. And so when you start getting those, even if you just get Nebraska kids to come play for you, there's kind of that like, those like other people who kind of know them that then you bring them in. And even if you only initially bring them in for that fate for that player. So a, a bad example is like, let's say somebody's like, I'm going to watch Nebraska just because I love Malachi Coleman's story, mm-hmm. um, which is a great story. It absolutely. Um, so you get people who are going to like, I'm going to watch cause that kid's got such a good story. I want to support him. I want to do all this. And whether we win or not, he's there. And then in four years, maybe that person is just like, well, I used to watch them. I'll keep watching them. Right. So there, there's even a way to like get those people in just based off of pulling Nebraska kids into the program. And I think I had a thought about this that like, I think Johnny brought up last week about um, like, it, it may have been a thing that got taken for granted. And I think that that's what it, I think there was a little bit of that. And I think a little bit of like, well, it's been so long since we've gone after Nebraska kids. I don't know how we do it, but they should want to come here. You know, we, we're great. Mm. We are, we're Nebraska. Why wouldn't they want to? And so I think that that's a big, I, I think that that's been what a, a benefit of rule, right. Is that he, he doesn't take it for granted. And I, I don't think that's a, I, you know, I try not to be critical. It's really hard for me to be like, Oh, I think Scott Frost took it for granted. I think he did. And I think a lot of us did um, because I don't think a lot of us even realized how bad our in-state recruiting had become over the years. Mm over the last couple ones. So I think, um, I think that's a good thing. And, and like I said, that's how we get memories. That's how we get new kids and, and new fans and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I, I equate it. The Sorry. closest <laughs> thing I can do is the, the coaches clinics that I've, I've went to starting with the last year of Solich and then all the way through the second year of frost to do that over the course of about 20 years and through all those coaching changes. So Solich to Callahan, Callahan to Pliny, Pliny to Riley, Riley to, to uh, Frost, it's just over time, we saw a coach's clinic in the spring that was one of the you know most highly attended in the country, and it just kind of trailed off over the years. Mm-hmm. And it's what I really hope, I'm, I'm really a big proponent of, is I want to see this one this year just be huge. I, th- yeah. This staff has already made such a uh, an impression to go all across the state, I mean, to hit every corner, and now, it, it, so that's their outreach. They've gone out to the coaches. Now I hope those coaches in mass come mm-hmm. back and mm-hmm. kind of show that that support back. But, that it, you know, it, it is about those connections and, and the relationships. That's what recruiting and everything is built about. It's what volleyball is right now. It's a reason why we are a volleyball state is you think about what you did 20 years ago. And I'm from Columbus Scotus. I mean, my goodness, what John Peterson, our coach, did, and we built a dy- he built a dynasty, not me, but he built a dynasty at, at Scotus back in the 90s. And Nebraska had already won a national championship then. You were starting to see the seeds of it planted in state as, as early as that. And mm-hmm. it is, it's everyone being involved and, and being involved at a young age. And then it kind of grows out of that. Um, I mean, I, I can get on a soapbox and I won't go too far on this, but even like basketball, when we've been at our bat, our best, Danny knee, he came in here and we recruit, he recruited in state. Well, uh, there used to be a Nebraska bison Valentino's team. That would be like an all, all state <laughs> team of guys that would go around the country and they would win. Like na- they win these national tournaments against guys that were going to go to North Carolina and Kentucky and the the best schools. And it was this, it it all started, it, it, it it was based out of Lincoln, but you know, it, it, what happens in Lincoln, you know, with the, with the, the division one sports we have there trickles down into the high schools, trickles down into the junior highs 
you see it every time we have a new coaching staff, whatever the offense of the, the new staff is, all of a sudden yep. high schools start copying it. And the same thing happens at all the sports. And so um, I'm, I'm just, I'm really optimistic about uh, just that piece of this coming back is, is really never taking that for granted again. That, that Yeah. And, and it helps. I know this isn't even part of this question. I don't care. Um, yeah, nope. I think it helps to have an AD who's on board with that. Yes. It helps to have Trev be like, this is the vision we want and we're going to make this happen. And I, and having everybody pull in the same direction. So we're seeing that from the top down, which I think we have, I feel like we haven't seen since what, 98? I don't know. Yeah. You know, it really feels like it's been, and that's probably why we haven't seen the success that we've had, um, is that you, yeah, some coaches are are great. John Cook's been able to overcome all of that, probably because he got left alone for most of it. Mm-hmm. But having, I think having leadership that values that as well, the same way. It starts at the college, goes down to the high schools, junior highs, whatever. It starts at the top with that leadership. That goes to the coaches, goes to the players, yep. goes to the assistant coaches, all of that. So I think that that's also, I don't know, Trev's not my favorite player, but he's my favorite AD. So we'll count <laughs> that as part of the question. There, there, I tied it in. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think it ties in nicely to the fourth question here. And this is, you know, the first three are all about you, the fan. And, and we want to hear about you, the fan. But the fourth one is, and, and by the way, all three of those are, are are favorites of mine. But this fourth one, I just can't help it. I love talking football. Yeah. And this is one of my most fun parts of the show is starting to get the thoughts of, of each fan on what are we going to do this season. And so when you talk about everything that we've just said, you know, from the recruiting and how the coaches have gone out and kind of started the base of everything. Right now, they're getting done with mat drills and spring practices just on the horizon here. You know, what are your thoughts right now, albeit still early? On, on how NU is going to do this year. Okay. I hate this question so much because I'm so, <laughs> I don't want to like, I'm like, here's why. A, I think we'll do better. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. why cheat. That's again, like, yeah, I think we'll do better, obviously. And, and you know my feelings. And I think everybody on Twitter can roll their eyes at me if they know. I don't think we were bad teams the last couple of years. I don't think we were bad teams. And so I think that alone puts us at a pretty good spot to do better record-wise, to have a better outcome than we did last year. Um, I am a fan who, in my heart of hearts, despite all the like, oh, I don't know, I want to like hedge my bets, I don't want to get excited, in my like deepest heart of hearts, if you ask me for my whatever answer, I don't see why we can't win all of our games. I don't see it. Yes, Michigan's very talented. They are, they're very talented. We almost beat them two years ago. Why can't we do it? Like they're, they're, it's not like we're, it's not like we're Colorado. And I say that in terms of like talent, (laughs) we're a talented team. We have the foundation. We have all the resources. I don't see why we can't win it. We we can't win every game. Do I think Mm -hmm. we will? No, I don't think we'll win every game this year but I don't see why we can't. And so that's why I hate this question. Cause I'm like, Oh, I want to tell you all of them. We'll just mm-hmm. win everything. We're winning a natty. Why not? Um, but, Oh, Rob, I've already been part of the Kool-Aid club. You know that. Um, <laughs> but I do think, I think we'll compete for the West. I've seen, I've seen so many of those lists that have us as like dark horses to do okay in the West. Like, well, why not? Why, why couldn't we, you look yeah. at all the turnover that's in the big 10, right? Just in the big 10. Let's, let's take Colorado and, uh, Louisiana Tech and 
Northern Illinois. Is Northern Illinois. Oh God, Northern Illinois. Uh, <laughs> like a, an eye twitch memory of Northern Illinois. Um, take those three out because we won't deal with them. But let's look at it. So Minnesota, new quarterback who we've seen. We've seen him. He's pretty good, but they've lost a lot of their offensive skill weapons. Right? They've got yeah. Chris Austin Bell coming back, so they've got one. Okay. They're always pretty good. I'm not going to dismiss them as much as I, you know, hate PJ Fleck and and everything about and all of his faces. Um, <laughs> so there's that. But then you've got okay. Purdue's got a brand new coach. We'll see how that goes. Everybody's really high on Wisconsin. They have a brand new coach. They're starting a brand new offense. I am not. I just am not as high on Wisconsin as other people are. They might still win the Big Ten because the Big Ten's up for grabs, but I'm just I'm not high on them the way that others are. Mm-hmm. Illinois is very beatable. We've seen that, not by us under <laughs> under Bielema, but but they're very beatable. We, we haven't seen the Northwestern bounce back yet. Yeah, so that was you know that one's always who knows what he's going to do, but again, very beatable. And Iowa, I mean, we beat them so. Well, we can do it again. Yeah, they've got a better quarterback this year, but they still have Brian Ferentz. So I, they're all, and that's what I mean. It's like the Big Ten is so, the West especially is like, it's up for grabs. So why can't we win the West? Why can't yeah, we compete so, for it? Well, and that's the thing that the last four or five years has taught us is that we weren't far away on the on the, the scoreboard yep. most times. Now, oh. now uh, it, does that mean we were this close to winning or was it always something different every game? That's what it tended to be. And a lot of that's discipline. Right. A lot of that is, you know, the really honestly the things that we think is going to be an improvement direct, you know, right away, almost immediately with yeah. rules. I would expect some more improvement from that. That there's a bit bit of a misnomer, I think, out there. Um, and it's easy with I think Coach Frost to pick on him as uh, you know for all the the terrible bad things. Or were we any closer to being better under him than we were under Riley? I, my argument has always been the the games were more competitive. We were obviously you know not getting pushed around as much and all those things, but we found every conceivable way, every conceivable game <laughs> to lose. And and the one thing I try to separate for me is I can hate the record without hating the person. Mm-hmm. I don't hate Coach Frost. I don't hate Coach Riley for that matter either. Um, I hate the records that they brought, you know, I, and I hate the record that we've had now for six years, not going to a bowl game. So, you know, there's my, there's my big H word. I hate, but, yeah. but really, I mean, I dislike seeing Nebraska lose strongly, but, yeah. um, but uh, I also, you know, I, I can appreciate, I think what the effort was the last four or five years to try to get this thing turned around. I can remember early on with, with frost, it was, we're going to do the Oregon speed and the, and the Husker power. That was, that was yeah. the vision. That vision never took off or it never, you know, succeeded with, with victories, but that was what the vision was. And I try to keep that actually in mind right now when I'm watching, there's a lot of great things I see that, that coach rules doing I, and I can see the vision and I'm, I'm, I'm 100% on board with the vision. I don't know that it's going to work. Right. I mean, we, we won't know until we go out there and, and, and play the games and, and hopefully we see, you know, if, if we've been this close, like you mentioned two years ago with Michigan, that team's in the, the college football playoff, and we are a, a last-second fumble we're, away. Yeah, we're a correct whistle on time away 
from what yeah. time that game is that would we have sent it into okay yeah. i black out a lot of these games as soon as they're over because they're so <laughs> painful but yeah I, I that's i agree with you and i know again it, it sounds so like uh you won't talk bad about scott frost that's not what it is yeah. i'll i'll talk bad about what the team how the team performed we didn't perform the way we should have but i'm with you like we were it it was not from lack of talent and like you said it was all those little things it was different every game now was that coaching? Yeah, it probably it probably was a mismatch. It was I've 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 been a proponent that it just wasn't the fit we thought it was going to be, right? It just he wasn't ready for it, and that was so clear. Yeah, <laughs> it, became, it became obvious that this just wasn't the fit for him, for whatever reason. And and started so it started so poorly, zero and six, that I think it was one of those things that you're constantly you trying to fight that? from behind. Yeah. And I do believe. I, I mean, I guess I, instead of me trying to, I'm not trying to go back four years and trying to rehash it or trying to beat up on someone. I try to, I'm trying to learn as a fan, like how, what was I seeing four or five years ago? And, and how do I not make that same mistake again? Like not, not, you know, if you want to call it drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever, how do I, I I'm as optimistic right now as I was five years ago when, when he came in here in that first off season, I went to the coach's clinic and I watched him and I, I watched how he interacted with coaches and I, you know, look, he did a lot of things then that I liked too. So now that I'm watching Coach Rule, there's he's doing a lot of things right now, and the staff is doing a lot of things right now that I like too. But you know, so what's it? What's going to be the thing? And you know, we we've actually Mac and I one time on a show we focused on the difference between little things and we called it the basics. And mm-hmm. and it was that I think there were basics that we we tended. It, I wouldn't. I won't even call them little things because that they are the basics of football, whether it was special teams on a game or that Michigan game, uh, you know, not kicking a field goal in the first drive when we get down to the, mm-hmm. to the three yard line, we don't get in there. So we go for it on fourth down and we don't walk away with points. And it was like, it, and that's, that, that's, that's an area that, that Frost never really, you know, could, could get over was, you know, the, the importance of points. I know that sounds so weird, but that sometimes you just have to take them. And, and his special teams were so poor. The kicking was, the game was so poor right. at times that you couldn't just, you know, walk away with points but those are all the things that you know now we're getting to where if we can walk away with points on drives because we, our, our special teams is up there and we're going to return kicks and and, and punts and, and flip the field and uh and we're going to run the football and we're going to get under center at times uh we're going to get into a huddle at times we're going to do the things in the big 10 is that you know if this coaching staff does what they're what they're talking about when coach Satterfield's saying hey it's, it's a cold weather you know, climate at times, we're going to have to get, you know, run the ball and get five yards here and three yards and, and appreciate that. Oh, that's music to my ears. I know. And I'm, I'm with you in that terms of like trying to learn from the past. And so part of it is that like, um, part, you know, I'm always going to love this team and I'm so hyped up for this team and I, I'm, I'm here for it. I will, I drink the Kool-Aid. I watch all the the podcasts. I listen to Matt rule. I'm like, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I will run through this wall. You don't know me, but I'll do that for you. And, and all of this, I love all of that, but there is a part and, and um, you know, Johnny and I have kind of talked about it a little bit after his last game, after his, um, after his podcast episode where it's kind of like, but we've been through this. We were running through walls for Scott Frost. We were running through walls for Bo Pelini. We weren't really running through walls for Mike Riley. I wasn't for Bill Callahan. That was never a, those two weren't coaches that I was like, yes, I love this so much. But we've done that with prior coaches before. 
And these things that are like, we're going to do this differently. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. And I hope it works because I always want it to work. It's not like, I hope it works because it's different than what Scott Frost did. Like, I don't care about that. I want it to win. I, I want it to work so we can win. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care how we, I don't, I don't care who our coach is when we win. I really don't. I just want yeah. us to win. <laughs> yeah. That's the most uh, important part of I all have of a, it. In my head, I have a style how I, you know, in my, my little world that, yeah, get us in under center, put a fullback out there, run option on a team and score. And like, that's how I want it to happen. But under Riley, if we'd have thrown it 82 times in a game and we'd win games, I'd be happy. Win yeah. games, right? I, I yeah. want victories. Um, I think you said something a little earlier, and I'll reference the the Frost thing, but I think it's a, it's an example of why I think we can start to feel some of this optimism. You kind of mentioned you didn't think he was ready. I mean, and that's, that's yeah. you know, history has shown that, right? He wasn't ready. He wasn't um, didn't ha- maybe have that experience. And I think that's one of the things that we look at with, with coach rule right now. And it's like, okay, this isn't his first rodeo. This, you know, this guy's gone through it now multiple times. And, and then he did have that. And in, yeah. And in more broken programs than we oh. are, I've, I've seen people, I get it where they're like, this is the worst we've ever been. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. And so mm-hmm. stop and- Take your heart out of this and use your brain. And I don't, that comes off very condescending. I'm really sorry. I don't, I, mm-hmm. I know I come off that way and I don't mean to. We are not as bad as we were at the end of Mike Riley. I believe that at the end of Mike Riley. And yeah, I think and- that, like you said, it's it's the effort. The effort alone means we're not as bad. And so I don't think so, – so, yes, Matt Rule knows what he's doing. He's done this before, and he's done it in worse places. He mm-hmm. did it at Baylor where they had like – was it like five scholarship players? Yeah, or they something? were at 45 scholarships when he took over. And to, exactly to your point there, there's, you know, whether it's the end of the Riley era or, you know, I'm old enough to remember the end of the, uh, the, the Callahan era in 2007 got pretty, pretty bleak there when we're down 38, nothing at halftime to Oklahoma state, there were some bad times back then too. So just to keep those in reference mm-hmm. and, and, I mean, and for that person that out, out there that absolutely can't stand for us, then the first three games last year were pretty rough, right? Okay, yeah. that was the yeah. that was the end of his era too. So the point is, what what rule is taking over right now? What Coach Rule is taking over? This pro that's not as broken as uh, it's not as broken as what some of those times were for us. And because of his level of experience, it sure as hell isn't as broken as some of the things he's taken over. Temple yeah. and then Baylor was just, I mean, that's a epic collapse. Uh, of, of that was all institutional kinds of collapse, institutional everything. Cool. I mean, they could have been on. Yeah, it, that's as close to you know. There's one or two other examples of teams since SMU that could probably been on on uh, the death penalty, and and Baylor could have been right there. And that's what and Matt Rule didn't have to go to that. There were mm-hmm. other opportunities that he had back then. I think Oregon was one of the jobs that he might have been had an option to to go, and he ran to that. Yeah, he went he went to a tough situation. I mean, that says a lot about about him as well. And, uh, you know, I just, I think that that's one of the things right now with, with, with rule is that how he has started off here, he, he, he isn't, he hasn't taken anything for granted. Mm -hmm. He, he, you know, appreciates the history. He, he wants to learn everything he can about this place. He wants to be here. He had two months to not come here if he wanted to. I mean, the, the, the job search for him is unlike any other head coaching search I've ever seen where someone is sitting on the sidelines for 60 days can come here on a on a football weekend with Trev incognito and have Trev driving him around and him and his family. All the opportunity to say, nope, I'm not going to take this. 
and it's his family saying, you need this. You need to come here. You need to do it. And so I'm not going to try to drink the Kool-Aid. What I'll say right now is what I'm saying all off season is it's the race to six. Let's get to six wins. That's a, that would be that first year success that Frost didn't have that I think held him back. I think we need some success in year one. And right now to me, success is getting to a bowl game. So the race to six, that's not good. But I'm also like you here. I'm not saying six and six, the race to six. If it takes us six weeks to, to win six games, awesome. Let's reevaluate. Let's go oh, win eight. Let's win, nine. Let's win <laughs> 10, right? I mean, I, I, I don't put ceilings on this program. I never will. But if we're five and six and Iowa's coming to town on Black Friday, then get to six. Beat go beat Iowa at home and let's get to a bowl game. And I think that's I think that's important. Um I could historically go back to even like 62 with Devanian in his first year. He pinpointed the Michigan game, a game on the road, and said very early on said, This is an important game. And it wasn't as good of a Michigan team. If we can beat these guys, that can start some momentum. That it, the, the M word, Frost said it a million times. We just never could build it, yeah. but let's get some momentum. To me, the mo- the momentum game is Minnesota in week one uh, on a we Thursday night. For all the reasons you said, I mean, it's I just it, miss, it's, I miss winning our opening game. I just miss oh, it so much. <laughs> oh, well, in the last two seasons, I want to be happy. <laughs> we haven't gotten out of August the last two years without you know you know having just a really rough start. Yeah. And this is an opportunity. That's one of the reasons too. I think with Minnesota. Um, I think it would be a, a boy, that would be a, it would be a signature win. And I know for some Husker fans, they don't want to say that because it's PJ Fleck or it's Minnesota. That's a team. Yeah, that's, that's, how, when was the last time we beat Minnesota? Yeah. First year. Of, first year, right? Last year. We're four, and it we're wasn't even PJ Fleck. So. Hmm. Well, it was Fleck. It was Fleck in was his, it? yeah, it's his, his second year, but Fleck's first year to, to go back to when we weren't at our best. Oh, Riley, yeah. the worst game I've ever seen Nebraska play was, was 2017 against Minnesota in flex first season, Riley's third year. And that game, you know, go back on YouTube if you ever just want a horrible <laughs> experience. And from the, I think they returned the first kickoff and it was just from then on, it wasn't good. So what I think is interesting, and and I showed it a little bit at the beginning of this, the clip of uh, when you were talking about the analytics and some of the things that you like to do. And that was with Adam McClintock was on that show. And then we brought you on, like surprised him. We also had Dave Bartu earlier in the show, and then he had to leave. Those two are with, matrix analytical we just had adam mcclintock on a couple weeks ago and you have helped them with data collection now for the the greater part of the last few years and what it you know you're you are a self-described optimist and yet at the same token you are very much a geek nerd of of analytics and and so it how do you kind of marry those two things together where you're you you do the kool-aid on one side but on the other side you're very in tune with the stats and what, what it takes to win football games. I, I'm not in tune with what it takes to win football games. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. No, um, I think, I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't, and Adam and I have talked about that of like, how do you balance being a fan and like having to be slightly or not slightly, you have to be objective in things. And I think for me, what it is, is it's finding you can be objective and you can have stats and you can have the data and you can, I won't, I mean, I won't, I won't spill what, what we know about the coaching staff, but like based on how our coaching staff is, is ranked, right. Compared to Mm -hmm. other coaching staffs, we're young, we're really young coaching staff. And so we don't have a lot of uh, years of experience on, I don't, I don't think that that's a secret. I think you can look at our coaching Mm -hmm. staff. We don't have a lot of college years of experience on there. 
but are we a good young coaching staff? Like, is this staff good for as young as they are? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, and I doesn't have to, um, that's, again, you can just look at what they've done in the NFL. You can look at what they've done already. And so you've got um, objectivity in that we're not, Wisconsin probably has a better coaching staff than we do. I, I think if you objectively look at that, they're probably, he, you know, um, Fickle has put together a better college staff than Nebraska mm-hmm. has. On day one, on paper. On day one, yeah. Day everything one on paper, being yep. equal, yeah. Everything being equal, that's fine. But um, when you look at who our staff is and you look at the mentality of our staff, there's a lot of optimism there. There's, Yeah, they're young, but they're hungry. And they want the same thing Matt Rule does. They want his vision because it's going to build their vision. Um, and so that's how I do it. It's like you have the numbers, okay? So we know Wisconsin's better maybe from the numbers wise, but there's little bits of optimism you can find in, in the knowledge that you get from it. And so I think that's how I do it is I just, um, mm. I, I can say objectively what things are, but within that it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. And there's things to be hopeful and optimistic about. And so now I'm just repeating myself. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, and anything when it, when it involves numbers, Numbers aren't static. I mean, they're going right. to, this is a dynamic thing. It's going to change. So to your point on day one here, this is, uh, you know, this is what I love about preseason magazines and all that every year, you know, this team is going to be the top team or this is the greatest coach and this is the greatest this or that. And then all you got to do is wait one year to see how it changes and goes up or down. You know, well, coach Frost coming into Nebraska was the coach of the year, you know, coming out of UCF, he was ranked high on those lists. And then you'd see things change right now. The staff, when we had Adam on, you know, he mentioned how some of the analytics and the ones that he could say, because to your point, there are things that they, they can't talk about. But the things that he could say is that their stats looked at this staff and and they look at every staff and they, they say, how many years of FBS and FCS coaching experience do your coaches have? So someone like our new tight ends coach, Bob Wager, who has been a highly successful Texas high school football coach for 20 plus years, has zero experience in the yeah. database. Now, as and Adam was very quick to say, doesn't mean he's a bad coach. doesn't mean anything. It just means we don't have any data on him because if, yep. if that coach isn't coaching in an FCS or FBS school, we're not tracking that. Or I, the other way, if you've been coaching in the pros, we're not tracking that either. We're mm-hmm. tracking FBS and FCS. So when Terrence Knighton comes down from, you know, working in a, in a pro setting, or that's even where Garrett McGuire is. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about, um, coach rule right now is that he has enough experience that he can give examples of where this has worked. So it, it, anyone's welcome to sit there and go, oh, we shouldn't hire Bob wager. We shouldn't hire a high school coach out of Texas. And, and he can sit there. Coach rule can go, well, I did this a couple of years ago with Joey McGuire when I was at Baylor and he's now the head coach over there at uh, Texas tech. So, you know, why don't you trust me here a little bit? And that's where I'm willing to kind of sit back and go, you know, this guy, this isn't his first rodeo. And I think he, he's earned the right to be able to, to build the staff the way he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point, like there were programs last year that had award-winning coordinators and award-winning mm-hmm. coaches and they had losing records. And now those coordinators are looking for new jobs. So yep. it's not just, and so again, that's how you do it. It's like you've got stuff on paper that says how things go but that's just not always how it works. And you, and Mm -hmm. so 
again, then having that experience or that kind of history, being able to look back and say like, okay, well, here's a school that had, you know, all these award winners, but if there aren't, if they aren't all pulling in the same direction, if they don't all want the same vision, if they all have their own vision, it doesn't matter how well you score on paper, you're not going to do well. And things like pulling in the same direction, same vision, all of that. And, And Johnny kind of talked about it again, where it's just like, you can tell everybody's on the same they have the same talking points. They're on the same page. They know what there's, there's, it's compatible. Um, you can't measure that. There's, there's not like a number you can put on, on that. And so as much as I love stats, as much as I love numbers, they only in a person centered field, like, I mean, sounds weird to say like football, but you know, it's like why I like psychology. So you've got psychology and football, which are all people centered, you just learn that like, you're never going to be able to predict everything. So you can mm-hmm. give a general prediction, but know that there's going to be human error or hu- error sounds really bad, but you know what I mean? And so for me, like, how do I find the optimism? It's that it's, it's the human part of it. It's that they might just end up being this like oddly great coaching staff that doesn't look like it on paper. Yeah. But right. Here's Johnny, uh, you know, I think it's both. We can sit back and trust rule at the same time. If things don't go well, these will be some of the reasons why. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, the We started, and I've mentioned this a, a thousand times on the Redcast, we started in April of 2017, the podcast. So it's our fault, number one. And we have, we've <laughs> been blessed, we've been blessed with a lot of, a lot of great sports to talk about over that time. But, but that first, to, to, to put the time in perspective, when we started the show, it was during spring ball of 2017 that's the diaco offseason and diaco is the that he was a broils award-winning defensive coordinator and i very famously said it, you know in like our third show so it stuck to the tape but um i famously said i think this could be the best defensive staff that we've had since the mcbride era and the reason i said that was individually and i'll even stand by it at this point whether it was diaco at dc but i love perella as a d as a defense line coach Look at what Trent Bray has done in his career. And he was our linebackers coach. Bob Elliott, it was a couple of months before he passed away. I had just gotten done meeting him at a coach's clinic and having pork chops with the guy. And I absolutely love the guy. I mean, he was just an awesome dude. Dante Williams was on that. I mean, he's been, you know, look at what his career trajectory, a lot of great coaches, but boy, it just, for a whole slew of reasons, it didn't, it didn't mesh. It didn't work. They were switching from four threes to three fours, all those things. And it just, it didn't work. But it didn't mean that they're bad coaches or, you know, well, people have their thoughts on Diaco. Diaco's his own cat. But <laughs> but, but that's, that's I think, to your point, you can go out and, and hire very highly rated coaches, coaches that have won awards. Um, all those things doesn't mean they're going to do well. Frost was the, sit, you know, the reigning and, coach yeah. of the year. And, and he came here and just didn't work. And again, it's fit. Right. And it comes down that we've talked about that. I know that you guys have talked about it and you hate it. It's the idea of like, what does culture mean? What does fit mean? All of mm. that. And it's, you know, you, you know it. I was going to say that it's like the P word, you know it when you see it. Um, mm. But that's what it is. And so, yeah, on paper, all of those guys are, are, are good defensive coaches together. They didn't fit. And that's yeah. why it didn't work. And I think you find that across the board of any, of any place where, where things work or they seem easy, it's because there is a fit somewhere. Mm. And typically it's from the top down. It's mm. the AE to the coach, to the head coach, to the assistant coaches, to the players, everybody buying in a hundred percent. And it's not just saying, yeah, we're buying in. It's all the action and everything that comes mm-hmm. with it. And so I think we haven't seen that 
as a as a program. Again, I already said this. We haven't seen this as a, you know in, as a program probably since Solich took over. Um, you know when when we had an AD who didn't who didn't want football to be the biggest thing here and wanted to make his own mark, and then we've just been downhill from there because we've never had the right mesh of of people. And so whether that's been administration and coaches, coaches and coaches, players and coaches, players and mm-hmm. teams, all of that, like it just hasn't been there. And so I think when we get that fit and I want it to be now because I want us to be good. Um, but when we get that, that's when we'll start seeing that success and being able to build that success. And so, mm-hmm. and you said, I mean, I was going to say it and you, and you said it for me, it, it starts with that AD down and, if this is if this happens, if this is the time that that fit, it all works. It starts with Trev there, yeah. and you know over the course of the years, you know we've we've had so many. Oh, we needed to hire a defensive guy, so we hire Bo. We need to hire a pro guy. We need to hire this. We need to hire that. Sometimes you just need to hire the right guy, and the right guy, you, you don't know it on day one. I like to tell people Bob Devaney was not the first choice in 1962. Uh, Tom Osborne was not the number one choice on a lot of people's list uh, from that coaching staff when, when Bob had a chance to go after Monty Kiffin or could have had Warren Powers, could have had Jim Walden guys that were all going to be future P5 coaches. Um, he picks this young Tom Osborne, right? And it doesn't have to look great on day one. It's just how does it come together and is it is it the right person? And when it when it is the right person, I don't think it, it – I don't think it should take long to see that. And, it's and, like marriage, right? I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know. I assume it's just like, when is the right person? You know, it just yeah, is. And, 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 it or you certainly work. know when it's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, <laughs> and, and it doesn't, it doesn't take long. It doesn't yeah. take long to go. Oh no. I mean, I, I'll be 100% truthful about that with like Frost. Like I'm, I was a big, who I, I couldn't help it. I was a big Frost supporter and I was yeah. sitting there in the first year going, Oh, it shouldn't, this shouldn't look like this. It just didn't take long. And yeah. this is what, that's why I think this first season is so important for rule. Not that he has to go out and, I'm not saying 10 and two and throwing crazy things like that, but, but this shouldn't look bad either. We should not be going out to Minnesota and it it shouldn't be a 38 to nothing halftime deficit. And we're, and we look lost that, that would be, that would not be good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I, yeah, that would be, that would be really painful. No, I agree. And, and I full, full disclosure rule was not the top of my list, Mm. like looking at, at who we wanted. Um, there were other people that I thought like this guy, like, this is a guy I like this guy so much better. And he hasn't, you know, mm-hmm. screwed up in the NFL and he hasn't bolted from teams right away. I was very like, I don't know. I don't know if this is the, I get it. Like on paper, he makes sense. I just, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't sold on. And even, you know, when the, when the rumors came and it was finally announced, you can, I, I texted Dave and I was just like, oh, ugh, okay. <laughs> All right. I suppose. Um, but we talked about it and it was just like, yeah, no, I, I get it on paper. Mm-hmm. I get why it works, but you're right. Like when you hear him, you're like, okay. You're, and even first press conference, loved it. Goosebumps. Yep. Just like, we've never had this. And then at the same time I went, but, but he knows how to talk to the media. Like he knows what he's doing. Like, is he just saying the things that we want to hear? Cause there are coaches that do that. And we know that there are people who do that. And so even then I was just like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. He's just saying things, but it, to your point, it sure seems like, it sure he's, sounds he's, good. He's walking the walk as much as he's talking it. And so it is like, he's not just saying, you know, he's not doing the thing we all do when we apply for jobs of like, I want this job because it is a perfect fit. I match all your calls. 
great. Cause you know, um, people do that. I did it. It's fine. Um, it felt like that at first, but now it definitely seems like the behaviors are matching. And so it isn't just, I'm going to say the right things. He's acting in a way that matches with that. And so yeah. that is what has won me over with him. But yeah, to your point, a lot of people didn't want him. A lot of people don't want any of the coaches. I think the only one that has ever been a true high consensus was Scott. And I think people can deny it all they want. At the time, that was a slam dunk hire. You weren't going to get anybody better. Whereas this year, it's like, well, you know, who else yeah. are we? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there could have been there could have been a lot of people that they could have hired this year that would have been credible coaches. And Probably that's the thing. Yeah. My biggest thing, like, I, I don't know if this was against rule. My biggest thing with rules, I just literally knew nothing about him. I didn't know how he sounded. I didn't know how he looked. Apparently, he looks very good because, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I am his doppelganger. So, uh, yeah, he's a good looking <laughs> dude. Good looking dude, right? But, um, but, uh, but what was interesting with him? Yeah, thank you, Rob. But what was interesting with, uh, with it is that that first press conference, when I talked about the it factor, you know, like it shouldn't take long for it to feel right. When he started talking, it was, I, I'd never heard him really speak much before. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's saying the right things. Now you got to go out and do it, but, but he, it didn't take him long to win, win, uh, win me over. And I didn't know much about him at all. So, and, yeah. and I've had other, we've had so many other coaches, Frost, Riley, Bo, all these guys have had opportunities to win us over too. And if it was so easy, they all would have done it. And, and they, to be quite honest, I mean, he by far the best what speaker. rule is, is the best speaker we've, we've had. We've never had a coach who can speak like him. Never, never. No, never. Yeah. Not. But that's what made me nervous. If we're being honest, I was just like, oh no, is he just like, is he just <laughs> slick? Is this Yeah, just don't like, be a car salesman. Don't be a car salesman. Well, as a preacher's kid, you're kind of like, okay, he knows, he knows how to talk to me. And that was, but oh man, it was, I remember watching that and like texting my mom, like, we've never had this. We've never had this. And as much as we got fired up for, for Scott and for Bo, it wasn't in this same way. And so you're right. Like you take that combined with now the behaviors and it's just like, man, (laughs) how do you not, how do you not love this guy? How do you not like want him to succeed? Oh, I can't, I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic that we have him. I think he's a perfect fit. And I think, uh, I think Trev, uh, you know, did a great job getting him here. Well, this has been a great chat here, Abby. And I mentioned the doppelganger thing that obviously I, I have with coach, but yep. um, I should mention Aww. that we have another doppelganger effect going here too. Uh, <laughs> on the left is uh, Redcast Rudy. Uh, he is uh, the official sixth member of the Redcast sitting in the chair I'm in right now. And you responded with, is it Rue? How do you, how do you say yeah, it's it? Rue. Like Rue? the sauce. Yeah. Like, like the sauce. Okay. So, and even the 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 look on their faces are, <laughs> is almost identical here. The angles and everything. They, uh, yeah, I think we've got a doppelganger going here, Abby. We do, yeah. It's it's what's great about both Rudy and Rue is you can make a joke about Coach Rule, right? <laughs> always thinking, always thinking of puns to to throw in there. Yeah, I loved that. I I saw that picture and I just thought, oh. Oh, that looks like mine. Uh, yeah, she's the best. <laughs> Rudy will be taking Rob's place in 2024 as the number one overall recruiter of the Red yeah, Sorry, Thank Rob. You. Sorry, Thank Rob. you, Rob. Yeah. We called that. <laughs> well, uh, as is uh, the, the tradition here on the Redcast, also on the fan forum, we get the parting shots and we always allow our guests to have the parting shot. So it, the floor is yours. Take us out of here, Abby. Um, happy, um, international 
Women's Day. Um, like I said on the first one, support women, support women in sports, support women fans. If you are a fan, be loud, be vocal. We love you. We want more of you. I, we know you're out there. Um, and Johnny, tell your dad I said hi. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, with those shots fired, uh, we're going to call that a forum. But just remember, Redcasters, you too can be the next to join us on the forum. A Heard at Sports Network production.